Welcome to Running Down the Clock, where we break down all of this week's big news, events, and controversies from the National Football League. Over the next 45 minutes, we will give you basic fan perspective and opinion on the most important stories and moments happening now. So, let's start the clock. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Running Down the Clock. I am Tyler Walzak. I'm here with Puya Ricey. As always, I apologize for my voice. I do not have a cold. I just got hit in the throat at hockey. And uh, this is my voice. I'm hoping probably not forever. But for the time being, this is what we're working with. Hi, Puya. I, I didn't notice I didn't notice any difference in your voice. What happened in hockey? I, just, I was skating, trying to reach for a puck. The opposite player also was trying to reach for the puck. We both turned to get out of the way. I took the shoulder to the throat. Um, he got away unscathed. Clean, clean shot, accident, collateral damage or cheap shot. Uh, collateral damage, collateral damage okay. for sure. Yeah, no, I no ill will to the guy. Definitely couldn't. This was Thursday, so I couldn't talk like Thursday or Friday. Um, and now we're recording on Wednesday. Still haven't got it back to full strength. Um, did he oh, offer you a beer? Did he offer you a beer after the game? No, but he picked up my stick. My stick went flying, and he went and picked oh. it up for me. So that's kind of the same thing. No, ah, yeah, it's it's not a bad move, but it's no. nice to offer the guy you injure beer after the game. They they, I'm guessing they had beers in their dressing room. I'm I know your 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 hockey team. I'm on that hockey team, <laughs> <laughs> and the other teams we don't have beers, but the other teams always have beers. Yeah, they do. Our team doesn't drink that much beer in the hockey room. It's all Asian guys, not to get racist, but I am Asian, so I can get racist. So, I mean, towards the Asian. last five or six games before the last, so the five or six games before the holiday break, um, there's a lot of like foreign beer that somebody brought back over from Thailand or something. Vietnam, it was Vietnamese Vietnam. beer. Yeah, that yeah. stuff was cool. Yeah, that stuff was cool. There's also something else that the viewers won't see, but I have not shaved. This close, my face, in probably like six years. And that is because I decided that on Sunday morning, I should try to trim up my beard. And because I was nervous of this Lions game, because of my stress and anxiety, I was kind of rushing. I wasn't really paying attention, just going through the motions. I also have a new um, beard trimmer, and it just took all of it off. And now I'm stuck in this, do I have to do this every Sunday now? I don't like Would it. you say that your life is better off with the Detroit Lions being a losing non-playoff team? No, absolutely not. I've had the greatest week that I could possibly have. <laughs> um, Michigan Wolverines won a national championship. Detroit Lions won their first playoff game in 30 years. Um, and they did it in like it was a that was a that was probably the only good game of the weekend in terms of um competitiveness, no. Did you get to see much of these, or did you just do highlights again? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I call. I called that the Lions game would be the most competitive, the best storyline, the most competitive. All the other games were blowouts by what, at least fourteen? Yeah, and like if if it was within fourteen, it's just because garbage time touchdowns at the end. Like Dallas was out of it until they came back uh, with two touchdowns, I think, in the fourth quarter. But those were let's, meaningless uh, touchdowns. Let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. What, you want to start with the Lions? Do you want to start with the Lions? I, I do want to start with the Lions because the there's a lot of obviously. I'm a Lions fan, and this was the greatest thing in the world. I was so happy, man. Oh, my God. I thought, like, thank you, Detroit, for showing up 
and being loud because you made them waste two timeouts in the third quarter that they would have needed to stay in this game at the end uh, with time running out that they didn't have. And that's because the fans were so loud that they forced uh, Stafford to have to use two timeouts. Um, and like, honestly, then Dan Campbell going instead of just running it um, with like a minute in 57 seconds left, throws it to Amon Ross St. Brown for the first down seals the game, man, what a, what a day that was like, honestly, that was joy. That was joy. The first time in, Football life, that was joy, pure joy about the playoffs. And now every game from here on in, like, obviously I want to win, but it's it's not going to be as stressful as always being the punchline of every joke my entire life. Now there's actually, we've kind of got that, let's say, monkey off their back. Um, but a lot of other sideline stories came out of this Detroit Lions game. Sam Laporta was back, thank God. Um, we thought he was going to be out. Remember, he got hurt in the last week of the season. Um, but there's Jared Goff. So Matthew Stafford, yes, was probably the best quarterback we've had in 30 years, maybe more. Um, comes back to town, booed, heavily booed, which I going into this game, I didn't know what I would do. I I was kind of along the lines of during warmups, maybe just give him like a like a polite, like Half, not a standing ovation, but like a heartfelt, like, welcome back. Hey, can I, sportsmanship. can I give you my take on it? Yeah. It's not a respect thing. It's a playoff thing. We need to win and anything we can do to get in this player's head at this time. If it's a regular season game, give him his flowers, applaud him, put a big video tribute on the Jumbotron, you know, like whatever you want. But for this playoff game, you need to get in his head and you need to win. There's no friends. There's no friends right now, right? Like, Friendships yeah. are all off. And you do anything you can to get in his head w- without, you know, crossing any lines. Um, I know his wife was complaining that they booed her kids. Now, I don't think they booed the kids. I think they just booed him when he was with the kids. Well, that's the funny thing about it. So I've got a couple takes on this. And yes, once the fans started booing Stafford, I was like, okay, we're going in the boo section. I was all for it. Boo the shit out of him. This is a playoff game. like, And it throughout the week, it became one of those things where everyone was like, are they going to applaud Stafford? Are they not going to applaud Stafford? Um, but then Calvin Johnson, who is a Hall of Famer for the Detroit Lions, who's a friend of Matthew Stafford, said, hey, you're coming home. Don't expect us to be nice to you. So it was like, okay, fair game. Everybody boo the shit out of him, which they did. And it was the right move and it worked. And it's not, again, it's not a lack of respect that we have for Matthew Stafford. It's it's everything you just said. We need to get in your head. This is a playoff game. We haven't had a playoff game in Detroit in this stadium ever. Um, so, like, this is means so much to us, more than it means to him. Um, and then as far as Kelly Stafford goes, nobody in Detroit likes Kelly Stafford. People maybe respect her for what she's gone through in her story. But I don't, I don't like Kelly Stafford because I think she says things that she shouldn't say sometimes um, in terms of talking about his teammates, in terms of talking about what she thinks Lions fans are thinking. And 1,000% people were not booing the kids. They were booing her. She was with the kids the entire time. So, it's- yes, we are going to boo her. But also, hate to say this, but kids are also on the field and they're also wearing Ford, um, Rams jerseys. So boo the shit out of them. 
I'm all did for it. Did you see Stafford's post-game conference? I know he just came off a loss, but I think the question was worded something along the lines of how, like, what does this mean for the city? And Stafford responded with, I'm very happy for the players. Kind of a deliberate, nothing to show kind of, you know, this means a lot for the city of Detroit. No showing love there, just respecting the players. I know this means a lot. I'm happy for the players. I mean, yeah, like what, what he just got booed. The same day that you asked him that question, he just got booed um, in a hostile environment. So you can't expect him to be like understanding about it that day. But I'm assuming if you ask him that question in the off season, he'll probably have a different answer. It's one of those things where like like right away, he's obviously he he's also a professional athlete that wants to win every single game. So because he lost, he's not all of a sudden going to like be super, super respectful back. Do you know what I mean? No, but it is his home for how many years? It's still his home, I believe. I still believe he, or, well, he doesn't live there, but he does a lot of things in Detroit still, so he spends a lot of time in Detroit. But, I mean, come on, what do you expect? No, no, I don't, I get it. I'd be throwing up, uh, flipping the bird to everybody, screaming at everybody. I'd be way more spiteful. Yeah, but also I would expect it back, too. Like, I would, so, like, if you want to boo the kids, boo the kids, but the kids should be able to, like, give you the middle finger back. Kelly Stafford could give us the middle finger back. She can say, she's saying all the shit she wants. So, yes, we are allowed to also boo them. They're in our house, in a playoff environment. I I grew up with the Vancouver Canucks, who never made it hostile for the opposing team, ever. I never remember a hostile environment for an opposing team. And I'm very much on board of when you are an away game, you know you are at an away game. It is hostile without, you know, life and nobody throwing stuff at players, nobody, you know, like really crossing any lines. But it's a hostile environment that you know you're in an away game. Yeah. I'm all for that. That's how it should be. A thousand percent. That's what gives you the home field advantage. That's why you have home field advantage. And also, we need to respect Jared Goff. Everybody in the Detroit Lions world has to respect Jared Goff. That means booing the other quarterback in a playoff yeah. game. Um, would you say, and if the answer is no, it's no, that Jared Goff erased something, not all, obviously not all, but something of Matthew Stafford's legacy as a QB in Detroit? I think in the short-term memory, as long as Jared Goff is here, yes. Because Jared Goff won a playoff game. Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game for us. So we can... And that was the argument all week leading up to this game was, well, Matthew Stafford's like people who don't understand. I want to say like a losing mentality for your entire life to have a game like this. People on the outside, like comments on Instagram and stuff are just like, how can you boo Stafford? He's he's like your greatest quarterback of all time is like, be, because we have to like, yeah. it's, it's, he also never won a, won a playoff game for us. Jared Goff has done but that. So Jared Goff it, has a different legacy within our fan base. He was an outcast. He was basically meant for this team. Nobody wanted him. We took him. We didn't want him when we first got him. And now he is probably going to get another contract, which I'm very happy about. He's going to hopefully win us another playoff game, if not this year, another year. Um, so, yes, he absolutely has taken away a little bit of that legacy. Um, and then, again, every time... Time heals everything. So Stafford's legacy is always going to be that. But as long as Jared Goff's here, it's going to be a different conversation for a little bit. But 
as as we all know, you have to compare the two. A lot of times, you know, QBs get an unfair comparison against each other. You know, this QB beat that QB, even though they're never on the field at the same time together. But in this situation, they were straight up traded for each other. It's not that Jared Goff was just the next QB they picked up, filling in his shoes, picking up where he left off. They were swapped. Yeah. So you have to compare what you got in return in that trade, right? That's a direct trade. Yes. That's the only reason why I feel it takes a little bit, you know, as of today, Matthew Stafford still is the best quarterback that I can ever think of that played for the Lions. Yes. But that was the old Lions. And this is, you know, as they keep saying, this is the new Lions. The brand brand new Lions. And, brand new Lions. And again, like if it's, yes, they were, they were traded head, like heads up, like for each other. It worked out for both teams. Los Angeles got their Super Bowl with Stafford. We Lions fans were all happy for that. That's the other thing people forget is we were so happy for the Los Angeles Rams when they won because of Matthew Stafford. There were shirts being sold at the Detroit airport that were like the the Los Angeles Lions or something like that, or the the L.A. or the Detroit oh, yeah. Rams. He or something got like that. his like, praise from the city. People yeah. couldn't have been happier for him. There was no spite from the city of Detroit. For him when he won, thinking, oh, we lost out on a great QB. No, people were happy for him. They understood it was time for everybody to part ways. Yeah. You know, out of, out of respect, right? Like he Exactly. He, it, we, it was like jail. He put in his time. Yeah. Give him give him his release to go somewhere and win. And That's they his, traded him that, to they traded him to a good team, a Super Bowl contender team that won, not to a garbage team. Like imagine if he went to the I forget who was the last place team in the league that year, but like, you know, like the Carolina Panthers of this year, where you're not going anywhere. Yeah. You've well, been and, traded to somewhere just to die. And but we so in return we got Jared Goff, who's working out very well this year and last year. He's playing very good football, elite football. But we also got like three first round draft picks that we turned into like Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, and either yeah. Jack Campbell, Brian Branch. Like we we have built a team around basically that trade pushing us forward through through a forever rebuild. So I mean, it worked out for both teams, and it's just. One of those things where somebody had to win and it was the Lions and 24-23, super close game. Um, it won't be the it probably won't be the last time these two teams play in the playoffs. I would I wouldn't be surprised if this is a matchup again next year. I I can see Stafford walking away any any day though. Uh, yeah, I well that's the thing about Los Angeles. Everybody there always seems to want to retire, but I, I think if coach comes back. Um, Sean McVay, if he comes back to Los Angeles, I think Stafford comes back with him. I think those two are married at the hip. Also, because of the youth that the Rams found this year, like we thought Rams were going to be bad this year, but Kyron Williams, the running back, is probably going to be a top five running back next year. Puka Nakua was sensational, broke all rookie records for wide receivers. So if you're Matthew Stafford or Sean McVay and you ever thought about retiring, you have to be re-energized by the fact that these kids are coming in and making your team a contender once again. Absolutely. They they look good. It was I think it was a little too late for them. They picked it up too late in the season. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, hey, like there was a great game. Both teams were in it. it. Was. Both teams were slinging the ball. It was uh it was a great game. There's nothing like, Did you did like what what was your heart rate throughout the game? Oh, were I was there moments super where sweaty. it, 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 it no, was, I was it was over. Super your sweaty. life was over at no, times. No, life flashed uh, before your eyes. That was that's the difference between this season and every other season. A Lions fan is usually yes, you're like fuck, it's over. This is it. That's when it's going to happen. Um, but it wasn't really that moment. Like we could have 
very easily if they had if they had not wasted their two timeouts because the fan noise feel like Stafford might have got the ball back and then Matthew Stafford with two minute drives left in the fourth quarter is almost like guaranteed win um he's an and amazing comeback quarterback so but we but that didn't happen we got the first down so it was the blown call moment. the blown call by the refs the blown call by the refs. Which one are you talking about? This game? There was one, I think, was it Hutchinson? Or no, somebody was called for offside when they're in the neutral zone. No? Am I mixing this up? No, and the... it was actually the Rams player, and it wasn't oh, yeah. the Detroit player? Yes, that was... The refs just got it wrong? That was frustrating because it 1,000% was the Rams player. But at that point, did Rams you not player. think, okay, the fix is in. Well, that was the only they're thing, gonna, yes. They're going to do anything to make us lose. It's over. Yeah, I hate football. I'm done. Well, that this was Tyler Walls. You, you can say it that one time. The fix was in because we've been screwed by referees forever. So at that moment, it was like, "Are you kidding me?" But it was solved. I think they got the first down, like the next play. So it was one of those things, like, "Okay, well, we did it ourselves." And if we're gonna have to do this, yeah. we're gonna have to do it ourselves because the refs are always gonna be against us in Detroit. Um, but no, there was thankfully that didn't have to be an issue. But, okay, Thanks. going back, going back a week, I said something that there's rarely any justice in football. There's rarely that ball don't lie moment. But we got did that. it not? Did it not all work out in the end with Dallas losing? It, Detroit is right where they week. wanted to be. For this week, yes, we should technically still have a home game if we win. If we beat the Bucks this week, it should technically be San Francisco coming into Detroit. Now, if the Packers beat San Francisco, it'll be in Detroit again. Then that'll be the ultimate ball don't lie moment. But but the only thing is, you the Detroit Lions would have just taken the second spot over Dallas. They wouldn't have taken no. the first no, spot over... No, they would, have, they would have taken the first spot from San Francisco. Really? Yeah, they would have had the best record in the in the NFC. If they if that Dallas game didn't get taken away from them, they would have been 13 and 13 and 4 or something like that one win ahead of San Francisco. They would have been the first week, first team with a bye week in the playoffs. That's why I was so angry. We'll have to double check on that one because I think you don't need to double check. San Francisco, thousand percent. San Francisco positive. won out. San Francisco won out as well. Anyway, they lost they? their last game against the 49ers. San Francisco is the 49ers. Sorry. They lost their last game against the Los Angeles Rams. Did they? Yep. Uh, Okay, okay. I'm forgetting that one just because it was a meaningless game. Yeah, because the 49ers are 12 and 5. The Lions are 12 and 5. So the Lions would have been 13 and 4 and taken that first place seed. Now, that being said, if the Lions beat Dallas and the game wasn't stolen from them, uh, the 49ers would have played a little probably harder. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have rested their players. Um, so it, so you're, you're right. It could have been it could have been that. And if you think of it that way, that actually gives me a little more solace on not losing that one seed. Yeah. Um, anyway, I the whole point I was going to make about this is I think in the end it worked out better for Detroit. Not that they wouldn't have beat Green Bay, but I think that would have been a worse game for them to have started off with. I think. And then the, this way they yeah. still get home field advantage for the first two games. They Here's still the, got yeah. the Bucks coming into Detroit for next for this week. Yes. Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be coming in Detroit. Another home game for Detroit. It's going to be loud again. Um, let's talk about the the other games. Let's talk about Cowboys. Well, Green the Bay. only reason I say that is because there was a little more doubt playing Green Bay because of what happened the last time they played on Thanksgiving. 
Yes, sure. Um, I'm not saying they would have lost, but with the Rams, it was what I was saying last week. All they had to do was remember, we can beat these guys. There's no reason whatsoever for there to be any doubt in our minds that we lose. With Green Bay, there was just that slight little bit more doubt that could manifest into something bigger. Sure, but they they did did beat Green Bay as well this year. They split with Green Bay. They did, yeah. But it's just the last time they played, it was pretty sloppy and poor. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And but here's the like the the scary part about Green Bay is and we talked about this, I think, at the beginning of the year in the preview section, is that every Lions fan's nightmare is Jordan Love being a Hall of Fame quarterback. And fuck, he looks like he's gonna be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, but this this is one of those things where the whole NFL world thinks it's like so strange, but yet we talk about it and everybody knows it. Even the analysts talk about it. When you sit a guy for multiple seasons to learn the game at a very high level behind a very elite quarterback, you're setting him up for success. Yes. When you bring a guy in and expect so much out of him early, you're not setting him up for as much success. Like the CJ Stroud story is amazing because that difficult road ahead of him. Yeah. He very well could have had a similar situation to Bryce Young. Yes. And it wouldn't be shocking to anybody. It's so why, more often than not that they have a, a a tough road ahead of them rather than Jordan Love seems like he really figured it out and he looks more comfortable out there because, you know, he's been kind of educated, groomed as a pro elite QB for quite a few years now, even though that, this is kind of a breakout season, but he's not a rookie. A thousand percent. Like he, he technically... It's no surprise. Technically, you can like you can think of him as a rookie because everything he's done this year is the first time he's doing it, starting a full season, going to playoffs. Um, but you're right, he's not a rookie, and I don't know why more teams don't do this. Like what? What? It's a proven thing. Like it happened. Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for a year, then they got rid of Alex Smith. Like, and Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. Jordan Love sat behind Aaron Rodgers. Why are more teams not doing this? Is it because? Like, I, I don't actually know what it is. I'm hoping not to bring it back to the they, Lions. They, but... they don't. The, the thing is, they don't have the luxury of having developed that first quarterback for your second quarterback to sit behind. You rush your first Cleveland. Take Cleveland Browns, for example. Your first guy never developed. So what are you going to do? Rest some rookie behind a quarterback you never developed in the first place? Yeah. See, you the Lions were smart. That, if the Lions are smart. They have they drafted a guy in the third round named Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who who's supposed to be a very good prospect. That could be him just behind Jared Goff, learning, 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 and then we have a guy for the foreseeable future for the ten years after Jared Goff retires. Um, and that's always what the Packers have done. They've had they've been lucky to have a guy fall in the draft. So Aaron Rodgers fell from what was supposed to be first one or one to five in the draft. I think he felt like 24 or something. Um, and the Packers picked him up and said, we'll just have him sit behind Favre. Like, this is a QB of the future here that's supposed to be a top five quarterback in the draft. Same thing happened with Jordan Love. Jordan Love was supposed to be a top quarterback in the draft, and he fell to Green Bay Packers. So anytime you see a a, a guy who's supposed to be a top five quarterback, you feel like if you're a team that's winning and you have a quarterback for five more years or three more years, you pick up the guy that's falling. So that's why it was weird about Will Levis from Tennessee, the rookie in Tennessee this year. He was supposed to be a top five guy. He fell to the second round. Now, one of those, one of these teams that has a 
a quarterback that's like on the cusp of maybe Matthew Stafford, like seeing the Los Angeles Rams, he might retire soon. He might be, his career might be over. He's old. So you'd think that one of these teams with a guy like that would pick up Will Levis and just be like, you're sitting behind Stafford for two years. You're going to learn. And then you're going to have all the knowledge in the world to be better in your first year than a rookie quarterback coming in and playing right away. And we saw that with Green Bay. Jordan Love went 16 for 20, 272 yards, three touchdowns, perfect passer rating, um, and beat the the Dallas Cowboys, the big, mighty Dallas Cowboys that, like, they're in trouble, right? Before before we get into Dallas, what's the USC guy that you hate, the QB, projected uh, Caleb Williams. pick? Caleb Williams. I also feel, and again, this is not every single player. You can't blanket statement them. A lot of these young guys... They don't want to sit. They want to come in and be the superstar now. I want yeah. to play now. I'm not going anywhere to sit and learn. I'm, I'm that's not me. I'm a I'm a generational talent. I'm playing now. And I feel a lot of them probably have this mentality that if I don't play now, then my football future is gonna is is done, right? I need to get in there now, show what I can do, get the big bucks, get that second contract. Whereas you're still getting paid. Sit, learn, yeah. extend your career. A thousand percent. I don't know why. That's the weird thing about an athlete mentality altogether when you get drafted, especially in the first round, especially a guy like Caleb Williams, who we've seen as kind of cocky, asking for specific demands already in his contract before he's even been drafted. You have to have a little bit of humbleness when you come into the NFL because you are no longer the top dog in the league. You're not the best player. You're not the guy everyone's talking about. You're maybe bottom 25 quarterback, bottom 20 quarterback. There's guys that are better than you, probably on your team. Everybody in the NFL is one out of one from whatever city that they came from and whatever age group they're in. Um, and then all of a sudden you get the NFL and you're on equal playing ground as everybody else, if not a step back because you're a rookie. So it'll be very interesting when Caleb Williams comes in to see like what. It's also funny because he says he doesn't want to go to a losing team. But the guys at the top of the draft are the losing team guys that probably don't have a quarterback, whereas the further you fall in the draft, the more likely you are to sit behind a quarterback that's already established because those are playoff teams. So this it's kind of like... Getting, this is just me getting older and my juvenoia, but these young kids, they just want life handed to them. They don't want to work for it. They want to go to the championship it. squad with a big $100 million contract and be handed the Super Bowl. Yeah. Makes me sick. So there's also going to be something humble about falling in the draft if you're supposed to be the number one pick, number four pick, all the way to the second round or the end of the first round. Like That has to be humbling enough to be able to be like, okay, I can be here to learn behind this great quarterback, and then I will take over. And Because now there's a book, it's... there's a blueprint with everybody in Green Bay. Like If you there's draft this, well, Caleb it's... Williams and like you have to sit behind this guy and he gets upset, you can be like, look at Aaron Rodgers, sat three years behind uh, Brett Favre. <clears throat> Look at Jordan Love, sat four years behind Aaron Rodgers. Like, these are Hall of Fame guys we're talking about. There's a lot of people, they want to get rich, and there's, you know, the Warren Buffett way, but people don't like it, even though it's proven, proven way to get rich. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback that's ever played, he had something he said, very simple words. Doesn't matter what pick you are. It doesn't matter how you get into the NFL. All that matters is when you get a chance to take the field, be ready to be at your best. And that's all you need is just that one opportunity. Yeah. That's that's the mentality you should have. 
thousand percent. Just and- just always make yourself better. And it's I, I apply that to every job I've ever had. You ever had a job where people are waiting for a promotion? They think, oh, they'll make me the manager. They'll make me this. And they'll teach me how to do it. It's like, no, be ready for that job. So the second that opportunity presents itself, you can step into it. Don't yeah. wait for it to, to be given to you. Be ready for it at any given time. That's the same mentality that you should have as an athlete. A, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. That's what Tom Brady said. You know, that's exactly what he said. And wh- where does he fall in terms of not just quarterbacks, in terms of athletes, right? The least gifted athlete is somehow among the greatest athletes of all time. If not the greatest athlete ever. Besides Michael Jordan, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Dallas. Kretzky. Yeah. Kretzky, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dallas. Like, so what do they do? Because Dak Were you Prescott, surprised? Just, were, you, were you surprised? Were you no. Surprised? I don't think any... I, I bet everyone expected I, them to do better, but nobody was surprised with that. So I made a six game parlay um, where I bet each game just money line. Um, and I was five for six going into the Philadelphia Bucks game. And it was because uh, I, I bet Green Bay. There was no doubt in my mind that Green Bay was going to at least put up a good fight because the Cowboys do this year in and year out. It's Dak Prescott is no better than Tony Romo. And Tony Romo was not a good playoff quarterback. Um, and I don't think Dak Prescott is either. He had a horrible game. He was bad. Their defense was bad. Their defensive scheme was bad. The play calls were bad. Everything that came out of Dallas was bad that game, and everything that Green Bay did was just kind of like what Green Bay does in playoffs. That's the difference between those two story franchises. I, I don't know enough about coaching schemes, but I do know this. The head coach needs to keep the team together. And that was a team that fell apart. That's the same thing you can say with the Eagles. Those teams, I'm not saying fire a head coach, but your head coach needs to take a look in the mirror and understand that your teams fell apart under you as if they gave they gave up, right? Yeah. They were they weren't playing as a team anymore. They weren't playing to any strength. Like Dallas didn't surprise me just because. You know, they were kind of like Miami, frauds all season. They never went tested. They never really performed. So it wasn't that big of a surprise. Philly, on the other hand, we'll get into that. But that was a historic loss for Dallas. That was the first time a number two, since they included the super uh, super wildcard weekend, they expanded. That's the first time a number seven team beat a number two seed team. Yeah, yes. And... Like it's it's going to it's put Dallas in a particularly messy spot because there's a Hall of Fame coach out there that is very good friends with the owner of Dallas. Um, and that's Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones. And Mike McCarthy's been in a hot seat for a couple of years now. Like they they could easily just fire him and bring in Belichick. It's still big. I said it before. I said it before the week. I got no faith in McCarthy. He has won a Super Bowl yeah, with Green but- Bay. Yeah, Rodgers had to win one, right? Well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers had to win yeah. one. Russell wouldn't be Aaron um, Here's the thing that some people are saying with uh, Belichick and Jerry Jones. It's going to be that Belichick wants to do it his way and Jerry Jones is going to ste- try and step on his toes too much and it might not be a good match. Well, here's no? the thing. is like That would be like if you and I were to run a team. Like, yes, you're going to have those conversations, but you're going to have them over beers you're gonna have them over dinner you're not gonna be it's there's so much respect between the two that i don't think the headbutting would be as 
problematic as if you went to like Carolina and you don't know this owner. But do you not think that they're at a road for a change where sometimes the headbutting is it's fine when things are going great. There's no headbutting, but when it becomes crunch times, ten, uh, tensions are flaring. There, the so tempers are flaring. You know, there's a lot of tension in the room. Jones yeah. wants to do it one way. Belichick sure, wants to go at that other point. Way. It's too late. Like the all Jerry who, Jones can who really has do the final with, say, but all he can really do is help with personnel. All he can do is help with draft. All he can help with free agents and who he wants and who like, he can have input there. Once the season started, none of that stuff can happen. So what is he? He doesn't know anything about coaching. Jerry Jones doesn't know anything about coaching. So you just leave no, that to Bill. But has, uh, has Bill Belichick not been like vitally involved in all that for the past X number yes, of years? Yes, but that stuff happens when there's no pressure. Yes. Now, my other side of it is they're both getting old. Yeah, they're both very old. Maybe it's time that they don't want to take all wear all the hats, you know. So then, wouldn't it be good for them to team up and take half the hat each? Yeah, that, I mean that's the other side of it. Where I'm saying, like, I don't know what they've discussed. I don't know their relationship. I don't know how much power each one wants to relinquish in making this team a contender. And that was kind of the talk around Bill Belichick too. Is like, does he want to be a GM as well as the coach? Or does he want to be the coach? The problem thing with just doing one of those is you are then at the whim at the GM's personnel responsibilities. Yeah. We've seen it work. Like he's working in Detroit with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Like they seem to be on the same page about who they want as a team in there. Um, but you've seen it not work in places like say Washington, but they have new ownership now. Um, Carolina, obviously we just talked about they, the, their owner wants different personnel than their GM. Um, their GM wants different personnel than their head coach. So if you have all the control, that is why Bill Belichick was able to do what he did and win seven Super Bowls, seven Super Bowls, six Super Bowls, six, six Super Bowls is because he was in charge of who the players on the field were because he was in charge of who the players in the dressing room were. So it's kind of, you kind of want that though, but it is a lot of work. Yeah. So I, I'd be curious how that works out. We saw that Atlanta um, interviewed both Belichick and, um, Harbaugh, they publicly announced it, which I thought was kind of comical. As yeah, if, like you I know, mean, like like, they like have to, they're they're the they're the loser at the high school, and they danced with the prom queen, and they're telling yes. everybody they did it. <laughs> not that it's odd; it's not an unusual thing. It no, just that's seemed funny, funny analogy, to me. though. It just seemed funny to me. That's all. That's a very funny way to look at it. I like that. Um, yeah, well, they have to prove that they're moving on to a better coach. They have to prove that they're moving on to a better. Um, they have to give their fans something because everybody well, I, in that. From from what I understand, Atlanta has one of the most liked owners in the league. Like the fans love the owner. The owner yes. is always doing stuff for the fans, trying to keep concession prices down so the fans enjoy themselves. Like always doing things for the fans. Like he's a very he's a very liked owner by his yes. Uh, fan base. Yes, and it is because of those moves, probably especially the concession stand thing. Yeah, cheap. I, what is, I think they had the cheapest beer. Yes, like five dollars or something like that. He's kept it yeah. low um, the yeah. entire time, and it's a brand new stadium too. Yeah, so I, respectable. I, I, I like that. Him, I could see him landing when you are a likable coach, like uh, sorry, owner like that. I can see him landing a top talent. I think so too. The only I, thing is, I, I who wants think... to build? Who's wants to build a team from scratch that they don't have a ton? They got well, they got Robinson, Kyle Pitts, who... they got Drake London, they got a good defense, and they got. B. John Robinson. They just need a quarterback. But 
None of them have actually performed to the level we've expected yet. There's still your favorite word. There's still your favorite word of the potential is there, but we haven't seen it unleashed yet. Sure. But do you think that's maybe because of their coach they just fired? Because he was in oh, charge sure. of them. For I, I, I'm sure. You you heard I went off on him last week, right? I didn't like I didn't like him. Yeah. So you, you bring in a guy that knows I, how to I don't use disagree him. with that, but again, it becomes a bigger undertaking to turn that ship to to write that ship than some other teams, right? For you know, for a guy like uh, Belichick or Harbaugh, like we, you know, we were talking last week about the Chargers are more attractive. Dallas might be more attractive. Like some of these other teams look more attractive to fix rather than to kind of start up, right? Agreed. Yeah. And I, I think that Atlanta, if we're talking about the teams that don't have head coaches, Atlanta is probably still better than um, Washington, still better than Tennessee, better than Carolina. Um, the only thing I can see with Washington is that. They also you just need a new, quarterback. You have new ownership who is trying to fix the wrongs of the past regime, right? Yes, and good ownership. So, ownership that the the, yeah, like the ownership you, of the Washington Commanders is also kind of the ownership of the the Dodgers. So you know that they want to win. You know that they're going to want to be. Yeah, so you can, you can grow with that team, right? Like you can yes. start the culture. You can start the foundation of everything within there, right? Because it, it's basically a new franchise in a sense, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I actually don't mind. Like I wouldn't mind coaching Washington. I also wouldn't mind coaching Atlanta because also all the, the skill position is there. Build up the lines a little bit more, get a little more offensive line, a little more defensive line. The trenches is where you win games yeah. and then run from it. Like those aren't, unfavorable well, you're a couple years be. you're a couple for both those teams you're a couple years away anyway like you're yeah. not looking to contend for the super bowl this next year exactly it's a but, bit ambitious but even atlanta like they were one game out of a playoff spot so you technically uh, could make the playoffs That's, that was it was a weak division though sure but it's going to be a weak division again next year yeah so it's you you kind of is your best spot to make the playoffs right away i would argue Fair enough yeah um so the other games were kind of crap. Uh, going back to the playoffs, the Chiefs um, kind of found their uh, wide receiver of the future, maybe in this game. Rasheed Rice stepped oh, up. Oh yeah, big but we've we've known that. Cold we've known that for a game. Few, we've known that for a few weeks now that he's the only guy. We've thought I know, his name but out there that he's... but he kind of solidified it now because you were not supposed to be able to catch the ball in that weather, and he caught eight of them for 130 yards and a touchdown. So like, I got the the four guys here who had the best playoff debut. Uh, you so, see the notes here. I got the Jordan Love, CJ Stroud, Rasheed Rice, and Puka Nakua. So Puka Nakua was unfortunately the only one on the losing team. Yes, and he was great. And he had one big. He had one catch that was kind monster of monster run. Yeah, huge. Um, and again, I wasn't even mad at that. I was like, you know what? That's going to happen. We expected that to happen at one point in this game. So I actually do think that it's going to go to CJ Stroud, though. I I think I'd give it to CJ Stroud. All four of these guys were amazing, but CJ Stroud has the least reason for his team to be like do, does that make sense like Rasheed Rice plays on the Kansas City Chiefs who won the Super Bowl last year Puka Nakua plays for Matthew Stafford and the Rams who won the Super Bowl two years ago uh Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers Green Bay Packers are always kind of been a team that's going to make the playoffs Houston Texans had no reason to be in the playoffs um they're playing a great defense with the Browns did you not CJ say Stroud. the same thing about um the Houston Texans as you just said about the Atlanta Falcons their division, they have the best chance of making that uh, playoffs because their division was fairly weak. 
Well, yeah, but it wasn't supposed to be. Actually, it wasn't that week. They had three teams that were supposed to make the playoffs that came right down to the last game of the But they did. The they season. had one team make the playoffs. They had one team make the Yeah, Jacksonville fell out of so, favor, but it just the reality of it is only one team did. So Sure, but then they went and beat a team from the best division in football that had three teams make the playoffs. Yeah, what happened to the Browns there? I I'm well, not Joe Flacco I'm, like you can you can only you can only take him so far, right? And that's a that's why I was bigger on the Baker Mayfield thing is this is exactly what I said about Flacco. It's easier to look great in a small window than it is to look good the course of a season. Yes. And that's why I was pumping the the Baker Mayfield for comeback player over Joe Flacco. Yeah. I, I'm 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 with you. And like and Baker played great. Baker didn't make big mistakes. Um he he <clears throat> played like a Heisman trophy winning first overall pick quarterback. Yeah, and he'll probably I think get a this is the first time he's lived up. Uh, yeah, I think this is the first time he's lived up to who he is. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and it's probably because he had lack of pressure on him. Like it was, it no one expected him to be what he or do what he did for this team this year, and he was able to go out with that little bit of pressure, like not as much pressure as he had before, um, and come in as just a guy that's there to play football, and he he made it work. Now, do you think Flacco gets signed by the Browns, or do you think he goes somewhere else? I still think, based on how they treated him through the season, there's still not a lot of love for Flacco. I think you know he was on the practice squad, letting you know they 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 never signed him. They never put him on the 53 man roster, did they? They did. They just pick him up for the week and then let him go. They did that for two weeks, and then the last three weeks they they picked him up and put him on the roster. Sure. Uh, I for some reason I just think the same thing is going to continue. They're Next year, there'll be more doubts about his age. And I agree. If and had I... he played better in the playoffs, yes. But unfortunately, he didn't. And I think he'll be in the same situation trying to get a backup spot. And with the way things are going, backup spots are not bad because it seems like backups are playing a lot these days. So It does. And also, the backup spot specifically in Cleveland is not a bad place to be because who knows if Deshaun Watson is going to be Deshaun Watson ever again. We don't think he why, is, but... Why would he get better now he took two years off he didn't get better now he took most of a season off why would he have gotten better during this most of the season off like why nothing indicates this guy's on a trajectory to come back as a better player than his last game i'm not even saying his all-time best just better than the last game he played well what makes you think he's going to come back better than the last game he played exactly so cleveland has to make a decision based off of we need to go get a quarterback that's young to back up at least the first two games to see if Deshaun has it and then put him in. Like they've been making that decision since they came back into the league in 99 or whatever. I know. So maybe you just go into the season saying Joe Flacco is your starter. Deshaun Watson's your backup quarterback. Yeah. You got nothing to lose that way. Except for a whole bunch of games. Um, Philadelphia. Should we talk about Philadelphia for a second? I've got a point of Philadelphia. Go for it. That team, I've never seen a team fall apart like this. There was the Steelers a few years ago, I think in 2020, they went 11-0, and then they lost first round of the playoffs. Everyone always questioned them. This is the worst 11-0 team I've ever seen. They kept saying that throughout the, the season, and they proved it. But my, oh, my, this Eagles team, nothing changed. They didn't have a drastic injury. This is what we were talking about earlier. The coach lost the team. The whole team lost confidence. Everybody... There was, I don't know how true it was, but there was reports coming out that um, receivers were upset with um, Jalen Hurts, saying his turnovers were an issue, that they were doing weird 
uh, exercises to stop him from turning over the ball too much. And when nobody has faith in your quarterback, that's terrible. It's weird. It's because one when thing he, uh, for your quarterback not to have faith in the receivers, but when none of your receivers have faith in the quarterback, it means they won't put that extra little effort into the play to get open, right? Like it's almost they're they're frustrated before they even make their route. What when did they lose faith in him? Because they it seems like this team took a downturn when the San Francisco 49ers um beat them. When they yeah. played the 49ers and they lost, that's when this team seemed to spiral downwards. They fired or they moved their defensive coordinator to a different de- defensive position. They brought in uh, fat Matt, Matt Patricia, Patricia <clears throat> who couldn't get it done. Since he came along, the guys stopped tackling. That was the worst display of tackling I've ever seen in a playoff game ever. Um, oh. And it's just it's the same, same guy too. He's had a few highlight real bad plays, Bradbury yeah. or whatever Bradbury, yeah. in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. He had one a couple weeks ago. A terrible one. You saw the Manning cast with Ray Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis ripping these guys. Exactly. He said like this their team tackling is not there and it's been a problem. But also, here's the thing with Matt Patricia. I don't know why they brought him in specifically because he got rid of Darius Slay. Darius Slay is the leader of that defense in terms of their secondary and their pass coverage. <clears throat> you just pissed him off by bringing in Matt Patricia. He does not like Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia does not like him. So you immediately have that entire, all of his teammates that he's probably close with probably hear about Matt Patricia before he even got there that day. I'm not, I'm not saying on this is again, just my opinion of what might've happened. But if I was big play slay, I'd be like, I hate this guy. I hope he's changed. I don't like him. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. It's gonna be awful. And then all of a sudden, all the guys he's talking to also don't like Matt Patricia. And that is when the, that is when they made a massive change after the 49ers games, and it definitely did not pan out. It was like they panicked, and it just all of a sudden it just got worse here, and then worse here, and then worse here, and then it just all fell down. Yeah, and I think now, that that's when the head coach needs to start getting the team together, united, unite he, your team. And it seemed that Sirianni could not do that at all. His team was falling apart, and it, it was like, uh, what's the analogy? Um, your boat's sinking and you're just more water's coming in. You're trying to toss it out with your hands or something. just slipping through your fingertips, you know, sand slipping through your fingers, whatever the hell you're talking about. But, you know, I'm rambling, but it it just seemed like nothing was getting better. Everything was getting worse and worse. Each game, they looked more and more defeated. Yeah. And that playoff game just showed it. They had nothing. They had already lost as soon as they took the field. And I felt really bad for Kelsey watching him just, you know, hold back his tears. Yeah. That's the problem that, that sucks with coming back for another year after you make the Super Bowl and lose, <clears throat> wanting to see if you can run it back and get to the Super Bowl again, as Jason Kelsey did. Now it didn't work out in like epic breakdown fashion. And now you've retired on instead of a high of going to the Super Bowl and just not winning it, now you're on a team that completely blew up. And that's your last season. Yeah. I I blame the head coach. <laughs> And I don't even think it's one of those situations where just swap the coach. If you swap the coach, you need someone to restore the players' faith in themselves and each other. I don't think I don't think they're going to get rid of the head coach. I don't think so either. And I don't. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying the move is to get rid of the head coach. The move right now is to get the team united and unified again. It seems like everybody's just out there for their own. You know, doing their own thing now. Like nobody's. They're not a team anymore. 
I think because they, know what happened they lost Hurts. both. He's like such a likable guy. I like Jalen Hurts. I don't I want, dislike I want him, him to do. I want him to do I'm well. I'm curious what's happened that, and maybe maybe the reports are wrong that the the receivers aren't frustrated with him as much as they they're saying in the well, media. Well, they stopped running just... the ball. What happened to like what happened to uh, DeAndre Swift the last half of the season? Like they stopped throwing the passes in the flats to their running backs. They stopped running the ball. Um, they just relied on the tush push. It was like, that's all you talked about in Philly. It was like the tush push. They'll get a yard. They'll get a yard. They'll get a yard. Well, guess what? You need 10 to get a first down. So you got three plays. You get one yard each play. It's not going to do it for you. It's just... No, and then in the end, we, we saw in the playoffs there, the Bucks even stopped it. They couldn't even stopped do it twice. the one thing. They couldn't even do the one thing that they, was their bread and butter. Yeah. It's uh, they lost both offensive and defensive coordinators in the offseason last year. Um, offensive coordinator is in uh, Shane Steichen is the head coach in Indy, and the defensive coordinator is the head coach. Um, I forget where he went, but they lost both of them. So you have to replace those guys. This offseason is going to be huge. They have to find two guys, a defensive coordinator, because Patricia's not the answer, and an offensive coordinator that's going to get those parts of the team back together and then the head coach can come in and be like all right everybody back on the same page because yes he has he's got to mend some relationships this year this offseason <clears throat> um do you want to get into the games coming up let's do it we have four games oh, this weekend. one last thing one last thing um just about the past you heard shannon sharp's comments about mike tomlin I, oh, I really yeah. like Let's what talk he said. I, I, I really like what he said because Mike Tomlin's done great all these winning seasons, right? Winning seasons. But to use one of your favorite hockey teams, and we love the cross sports references because they just bail us out of a corner, you know, pin yeah. ourselves into a corner with an idea. And then um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I find that they're always stuck in this almost m- not mediocrity, but they're never good enough to go do great. Because they're stuck trying to please the fans. They're always picking up a big contract signing. They never just tank, admit, hey, we suck. Let's just not get a big signing. Let's not give anybody any big money. Develop the players we have and then draft and build the team from the ground up again. They'll, they haven't done that ever. When was the last time you remember them doing that? They Even haven't when needed they to. did get some picks. So... so the Steelers, I find they're in the same situation. They're always having a winning record. But sometimes it's better to just drop down and build from the ground up. Because as Shannon Sharp eloquently put it, it's not about losing. It's about, sorry, it's not about not losing. It's about winning. They're not winning. They don't do well in the playoffs. They don't go anywhere. They just have a winning record to end the season. Stuck in that kind of mediocrity level. Yes, and that is a bad spot to be. Your reference is on point, and it's even worse in basketball too. When if you're stuck in the mediocrity in basketball, you're never getting a top five pick. You're never making the playoffs. But here's the thing: Mike Tomlin's probably the best coach in the NFL, arguably, because he's always winning and because he's consistently bringing a team to the playoffs that has no business being in the playoffs. They have not had a quarterback since Ben Roethlisberger retired. Once he Which gets was, a quarterback, that wasn't that many years ago. That wasn't I, that many years ago. That was what sure, years? so. So once he gets a quarterback, is he not a threat to win again? I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying 
he needs to, you know, he needs a change. I, I, I think you get to a point where you just, it's better to have a change because sometimes your wisdom, it's been heard so many times by the same voice, you know, like people have their white, you know, like, I don't want to use this as an analogy, but I'm going to, you have your wife or your girlfriend and it's the same voice all the time. You kind of drown it out, not on purpose. It's just a subconscious thing because it's the same sound all the time. Even if they're telling you the right thing, you just kind of drown it out because you've heard it before. And sometimes getting a new coach does that. And not to say that Mike Tomlin's a bad coach, but he might need a fresh set of ears that are more eager to listen to him. Well, that's just, like in, just a thought. So, but, but here's the thing. They're not going to fire him. Pittsburgh no. doesn't fire their coaches. No. And I, um, I'm not saying he's doing badly that you should fire him. He doesn't deserve to be fired. I think just for his own sake, a change of scenery might have. Excuse me. A change of scenery might help him. I, I agree, but he came out yesterday and said that he's going to be back coaching the Steelers next year. Yeah. Um, and I, I, but I also think you just give him a quarterback, like even Flacco. Get Flacco in there. He can finish the whole circuit of the NFC South or AFC. Uh, what is it? AFC, AFC North. North. Yeah. Um, and then see if you can win with him. Like he just needs a quarterback that can do, that can just do the basic stuff, which he hasn't had. Um, since Roethlisberger. And I think that this whole conversation is moot because they make the playoffs, they win a game, and then maybe they win another one, uh, which they could do next year if they wanted to. The team, like Their defense is so good. So good. They've got good guys uh, out at the wide-out spot. They've got two good running backs. they got a good offensive line. They just need a quarterback to put it all together and an offensive coordinator. Now, he did you see him at the interview, uh, the press conference after they lost the Bills? When you he see that? walked out on the question? Yeah. What a stupid question, though. You don't ask that question after they lose a playoff game. Yeah, but let's let's be honest. How many of the questions that the media asks are not stupid questions? Most of them are dumb questions. Did you see Todd? Oh, is it Todd Bowles? Yeah, the, we're going to get it. Yeah, that's the, a perfect segue into this weekend's games. So the Buccaneers are going to Detroit. They are going to play the Detroit Lions um, at 12 p.m., 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. The Lions are favored by six and a half. Now, to go back to what you were talking about, Todd Bowles was asked by a reporter. So it's been, we've they seen They said that, that the, the, the weather affected a lot of the games from this past weekend. And what is his team doing to prepare for the weather? And he could have just ripped into <laughs> oh her. Oh my God, I thought he was but going he to. Was, he, he was a little bit kind about it. And he just said, you know, like made a little joke about it. It's like, it's a two second walk from the bus into the stadium. It's an indoor stadium. It's got a dome. I think we'll be okay. We don't need to do make any adjustments for the weather. Yeah, which I thought was like when I heard that question asked, I was like, "Are you? How do you have a job?" He took how the did high that person. Road. He definitely took, he took the, high, the road. high road. He took the high road. He definitely took the high road. If you got him on a bad day, he could have just absolutely ripped that reporter apart. Um, but how does that reporter get a job? How do you not know this? Like, how do you not know that? I it's yeah, very it's... strange. But so, yes, they're going to go play in Detroit, which is in a dome controlled environment. Um, Lions are favored by six and a half. I'm I mean, again, I have I, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Tampa Bay seems it's the like same thing. Uh, I, if you know my logic of sometimes one game, the emotional high of winning is so much that it's hard to get up for the next game. It's, yeah, it's tough I, I to think, psych yourself up. I think Tampa Bay's had more of a thrill of the victory 
than Detroit did because Detroit had to grind one out, which was close, and they expected it to be. Th- yeah. That that game, I think that game probably went the way they expected. They knew that they weren't going to just stomp them into the ground. They they knew that it'd be a tough game, and both teams could probably make a couple mistakes and still come out and win. Like it wasn't like I I specifically said neither team needed to play a perfect game to win. It was a winnable game. They just right. needed to play hard from start to finish, and Detroit could win. I think the Bucks were a little bit surprised at how handedly they took it to the Eagles. Like very easily. Like the oh, Eagles were them. never they in. They crushed them. Yeah. Even though it was the only Eagles 16 never 7. never had anything going on. 16 So 7 I think the half, emotional high. Still... Like you saw the way they were celebrating. Uh, Baker Mayfield celebrating first. Now, not to say you shouldn't celebrate. Enjoy yourself. But I, I think maybe. Celebrate. Yeah. That maybe was a little bit more for them of like they had a kind of easier first round than expected. And it might be a little harder to get up for the next game. I agree. Whereas I did, think did, it's also Detroit the playoffs. Knows we just we, we fight tooth and nail, bite every ankle, as uh, Dan Campbell says, for every win. Nothing is going to come easy ever. Yes, that's and it is playoffs. So I don't think that any team's going to take a week off. But you're right. Like you don't want like Detroit wasn't expected to ever win a playoff game. Um, the Bucks weren't expected to win a playoff game. Um, so maybe it's one of those things where it's just like, hey, we did what we were supposed to do this year. We can. Like just go in with a little bit less of a stressful mindset, but you want that stress. You want to go on to the next one. I think Dan Campbell's gonna be able to get the Lions up to that. Um, but also Todd Bowles is no slouch either. Like he's he's been on this team when they went to the Super Bowl, um, and Baker still has everything in the world to prove. So this, I expect this game to also be. I think it's gonna be a lower scoring. Um, probably in the 20s again, just like the Rams game was. It's not going to be in like 35, 38. I think it's going to be hard-hitting, blue-collar game, and it's just going to be one of those, whoever whoever survives this game wins this game, if that makes sense. It's just going to be hard-hitting yeah. bruises, um, just running the ball as much as possible, which I want the Lions to do. Run the ball all over the Buccaneers. That is our bread and butter. Um, David Montgomery does it best. That's how we started the game against the Rams. Just run it down their throat. Throw Jameer Gibbs in. He can zip around. Um, I just, I'm hoping for another great Sunday. No expectations, but very much hoping for another great Sunday. Um, who do you think wins this game? I'm not going to choose, but who do you think wins this game? I, I think the Lions win only for the fact of... <clears throat> I think everything I've said. The Lions know who they are. They know they can win, and I don't think Dan Campbell's letting them forget that. Uh, okay, well, let's get into um, – you made your pick there. Let's get into the Saturday games. These games are both um, – also, I love what you did here. You did a lot of work on this uh, this doc, Google doc I here. always do a lot of work on the notes. I always do a lot of work on the notes. But even on this one, you usually don't put in the uh, spreads, but you got those in there today. For you. I did that for you. I Yeah. I you know think I like the spreads. I have a- Here's my conspiracy. I think the spreads is where the odds makers just fuck over people. Yeah, that's why I don't have enough science, but I'm recent. Yeah, that that I think people are just drawn to the spreads. Well, that's the spreads they're right they about them. You. They're right about them almost every single time. The spreads. How do Vegas, I bet with the Vegas house? Spreads, how, like, do, how do I how do I bet with the house? How do I bet with the house? You you don't. That's that's what the spread is. They know it's going to be ten or eleven. And then they'll adjust it based on what people are betting. They'll always win. Yeah, so how? They're always gonna win. Anyway. That's what they do. Um, anyways, okay. So these are this Saturday's games. Um, 
We'll talk about the other Sunday game at the last one because that's probably the best game of the uh, the weekend. Um, so you said best game of the weekend. You want me to do the game of the week and the bad game of the week? I, I don't think there is a bad game of the well. I don't think there is a bad. Well, game I got I, I got a note there. I got a note on there is no bad games. There are, it's playoff time. There's only four games left. They're all good. But if there's going to be a bad game, I feel it's either the 49ers crush the Packers or the Ravens crush the Texans just because who they are. However, I wouldn't be surprised if there's no blowouts. Every game is tight. I agree. I think that I think that when it comes down to this, like the Ravens are favored to win by nine. The 49ers are favored to win by nine and a half. That's huge for playoff games. What I don't know why they are like where's why are they shading Houston? Like Houston just came out and played a dominant football game with almost zero mistakes. It's just because Baltimore is the best team in the NFL. Houston sure. is still young, and that, like we said, that high of winning that first round might be a little much for them. Baltimore got the rest, so they're fully healthy and ready to go. That I, I what, agree. Is, it a is there, it's a rookie head coach in uh, in Houston? D'Amico Ryan's first time head coach. Uh, used to play Against, for them. It was a defensive uh, a potential coordinator Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah. Super Bowl winning coach and John Harbaugh over in Baltimore. But listen, like yeah. CJ Stroud is an X factor here. Like he could very much keep this offense. Like this offense can very much keep this game close. Um, Baltimore is not going to throw the ball deep. Like they're going to take time to get the ball downfield. They're going to use the run game um, and play action pass and run pass options to get down there. Whereas Houston, they could potentially big play score at any given moment in this game. Um, they could. It's, it's just up to their defense. But if their defense can slow down Baltimore, then uh, this game could. I, I don't think that the Ravens win by more than nine. I think no. Houston at least covers, and this is a good game. All the right. games last this past weekend were blowouts except for one. I see this going the opposite way where it's every game is close except for maybe one blowout. The only thing is, what happens if. Lamar Jackson has a quintessential Lamar Jackson game and just destroys them. Well, I also think that he is like, the current MVP. leading MVP candidate. Right now, he's the best player in the league, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. That's the thing is they have the best player in the league, Lamar Jackson. But also CJ Stroud. Yeah, McCaffrey. But CJ Stroud also is in the MVP conversation as well towards the middle to end of the season. So he's no slow. I don't disagree. But it is it is Lamar Jackson's trophy. Yeah. So I, I and mean, the 49ers, the 49ers are a little more. Uh, see, the 49ers, I, think, I feel like I they think, could choke this away. I feel like the 49ers uh, exactly. could very I think much like choke the, this away. The Packers are the easiest team right now to overlook. Agreed. They're definitely the easiest team to overlook. Now, the 49ers can obviously just destroy them. They're better at what every position, yes. except maybe quarterback, I'd say. I would I would say that's true. Yeah, I know a lot of people love Brock Purdy, but I would take Jordan I like Love Brock over Purdy, Brock Purdy. But the way that Jordan Love's playing the last few games, he's he's better he's playing. Yeah, he has more talent playing, than Brock Purdy. Yeah, as we've said, Brock Purdy doesn't need to do too much. Brock Purdy just needs to stick with the game plan. When Jordan Love needs to go above and beyond for his team to win, agreed. It's a requirement for his team to win. He can't just play average play simple football and then win. He needs to play great, which he has. Yep. You know, yep. more is asked of him for his team to do well and he's delivering, but 
Brock Purdy doesn't need a, if Brock Purdy go does too much right now, it can cost his team. So he just so, needs to stick with the game plan, let his playmakers do the plays, and yeah. You know, if yeah. Brock Purdy tries to do too much in this game, then this is when San Francisco could could be flawed and give give this game up to Green Bay. I also don't think that this is going to be a blowout either. Like, no. if I would say if any game this week is going like if you had to predict one blowout game, it's probably this one. Because it's San Francisco at home, all the playmakers on that team, all the defensive guys on that, like their defense is stellar. Um, then, yet, yes, this could and be. Green that Bay game. didn't get challenged enough last game. Right. They, well, they I think ran they away with it by little, half. You know, Jordan Love hasn't had a tough playoff game yet. Not to take anything away from his win last week, played great, played as great as you could have asked him. They pulled him from the game, didn't they? Because they were doing too well. Well, they was were up by like pulled? four touchdowns or something. Yeah, towards they the were pulled. Quarter. He was pulled from the game to rest him because the team was doing too well. And then Dallas started to come back, so they put him back in the game. It actually dropped his passer rating the slightest bit. Now, if he plays that way again, this will at least be this game is going to come down to how Jordan Love plays. I think we can say that because we know San Francisco is going to put up thirty to forty points. Now, if if Jordan Love can keep them within a touchdown of 10 points um, by half, then I think we've got ourselves a game. Uh, but this is this could be the opposite of the Dallas-Green Bay game where Dallas, San Francisco runs away with it early. But if Green Bay can stay close at half, then I think they've got a chance to upset them. Because um, you can't let them get ahead early. You can't let San Francisco get ahead early. They'll destroy no. you the rest of the game. Their coaches are too good. Their players are too good. Um, oh, they love, they love playing with the lead. Yeah, so moving it's, on it, to the game of the week. Okay, so wait, we didn't as, talk. Who do you, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to oh, win? Oh, San Francisco. I think San Francisco wins. And then in Baltimore, Houston, who do you think wins? I think Baltimore wins. You don't think there's going to be? Okay, go to the game of the week. If, if anything, if here. anything, the upset. I take Packers on the upset over Baltimore. Baltimore is they prove they are the best team in the league. It'd be crazy to get two upsets on Saturday. It would, but fuck the odds makers. They they got something. They got something cooking. Yeah. I know they got something cooking, but the game of the week. So I got a little bit about this. In the current NFL right now, this is the closest thing we have to Brady versus Manning. Mahomes Allen. Yes. They have, this is the most, like the, the biggest storyline leading up to this game. It's Mahomes' first real playoff game out of something like 16 games, which is unreal. His first road game. Yeah, his first road playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said real. Does this game, game go to? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> There's a wild internet story going out there that a Bills fan is sacrificing this. themselves into the pit of their new stadium every week and every so tell week the full story. Tell the full so story. The Bills are building a brand new stadium. Yes. And it's nowhere yet. The construction is nowhere. There's nothing constructed. It's just a pit in the ground, putting in the foundation. Foundation's not even put in yet, so it's just a big pit. Um, this is something out of the first season of Parks and Recreation for anyone who ever watched that show. Mm-hmm. And um, a f- there's been a Bills fan tossing themselves in the pit, and the new well, somebody fell in. Out. Somebody fell in accidentally. The when they the first the well, day where, where I was going with it. Fight. Where I was going with it is. Apparently, the hospital has reported somebody gone in there with an injury from the hospital from falling into this pit every week. That's how they have the evidence that someone's falling in. It could be multiple people. However, the the local hospital has reported at least one injury from this pit 
that somebody had to come to the hospital every week. And coincidentally, the Bills have won every week the hospital has reported an injury. I Okay, well, actually, from, from what I've heard is when the beginning of their five-game win streak, somebody accidentally fell in the pit and hurt themselves. Then they won that day. So a Bills fan has been sacrificing themselves before right. every game and just jumping into the pit. Okay, okay. So each each before each game, one Bills fan, a bunch of them gather around the pit and one guy sacrifices himself and just stumbles into the pit is what right. I've heard. Okay, that could be more accurate. But it's also equally as cool. It's 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 a hilarious story that these Bills Mafia guys are some of the most loved fans, but also some of the like idiot dumb, dumbest. Oh, the weird, moron they're fans. so like they, they they're the the two extremes of f- football fandom. Like they're jumping in through tables, like they're actively doing things to try to get themselves hurt. Um, yeah, and then they go do charity work, build a hospital for sick kids. After also the the <laughs> coolest fans. Every year there's a story about how somebody in football either got hurt or helped them. Um, win a win a game and they've donated that amount of jersey number like three million bills fans will donate nine dollars to this charity and make a ton yeah. of money for somebody like so they're they're reckless fans in terms of like they're not hurting anyone but themselves let's not be like they're not it's no, not like they're I'm philly fans i'm they're just the u.s u.s medical system is private you know feel free yeah so but they're also doing good like the Bills Mafia is very, very cool when you hear the stories around them. Yeah. And this just makes them cooler. A fan is sacrificing themselves to a pit before every game is one of the most superstitious things I've I've ever seen. And I love it. I'm a very superstitious but person. Is this not the best quarterback rivalry we have in the NFL right now? One thousand percent. And and I believe that Mahomes has won every single one. Right? Uh or maybe Buffalo Hasn't... won their first one recently. I don't think Buffalo's won in the playoffs against Kansas City. No. Um, Mahomes only lost against, I think, two players in the playoffs, Brady and Burrow. Right. I don't yeah, think he's that's... lost to anybody else in the playoffs. That's probably right. So this this game is probably one of the most wait, waiting, like, Awaited games. What is this the phrase I'm looking for? Most anticipated games of the whole year. Everybody knew Buffalo for and sure. Kansas City were gonna at the beginning of the year be in the playoffs, hoping that they play each other. And then you'd have the Bengals obviously there too, um, in the conversation. But this and the we Bills got this game in the playoffs. Team. The Bills like, are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. I I if I was Kansas City, I would they're the underdogs. Like I know Bills are favored to win by two and a half, but I would put this game at four, four and a half, five. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think Allen gets his revenge for a, th- the overtime. a thousand percent agree. A thousand now, percent. If, agree. It go- if it goes into overtime, Allen is 0 and 5 in overtime, lifetime. Now, but they haven't played at home against the Kansas City Chiefs in playoffs. I'm, like, just, I'm not be- saying against the Chiefs, just lifetime. He is 0 and 5 in overtime. He's never won in overtime. Yeah. Well, let's just hope he doesn't go to overtime. I'm rooting for the Bills. I'm rooting for the Bills too. We don't like the Chiefs. We're not. We do Chiefs not fans. like the Chiefs. I do not like the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey took a turn this year. I don't like him that much anymore. Never really. I respect Mahomes. I love watching him play football. Never really liked the guy. Um, I, I like Andy Reid the most out of all of them. I I do like Andy Reid a lot, actually. Andy Reid, yeah. I like. Um, but it's just like 
I want to see the Chiefs in that box with Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes just suffer in the cold in Buffalo and all the fans in Buffalo just throwing snowballs at everybody else. Um, that's what I've I want you, to see in this game. I, I've told you my like hidden closet, deepest, darkest Buffalo Bills fandom story, right? Uh, no. When I was a little kid, when I was a little kid, fresh immigrant from Iran, living in Canada, somehow I had a Buffalo Bills, what was it, like Super Bowl 29 championship t-shirt. You've told t-shirt. me this, yes, you've told yeah, me this. Yeah, the t-shirt they, <laughs> for the, you know, they make for the losing teams and they ship off to the uh, third world countries. Yeah. I had one of those. I grew up thinking they won a Super Bowl. Do you still have that shirt? I wish I did. No, this was a long, this was the 90s I had this. Like this was ages ago. I was a little kid. I got to keep that. It's got to be in your parents' basement somewhere. I didn't know. I didn't know it was such a big deal because I thought they won. I thought these were a dime a dozen. (laughs) (laughs) So I wouldn't mind, you know, the, I wouldn't mind making that true that they did win a Super Bowl, but there's a few teams I got ahead of them in the, in the, uh, the wish list. So, Um, okay. So this, this game probably gonna be cold weather, but Kansas city's played in cold weather. We we didn't talk about, do you see um, Mahomes helmet break? Yeah, that was cool. That those little clips, no, it it almost makes you question the the helmet. Was he just used for too long, and it was just time? Or I think it was just frozen. I think it was just frozen. Right, right. Um, I think Buffalo wins this game. Um, I don't want to say it's going to come down to a field goal because I feel like this is a game where there's going to be missed field goals early. Um, and then you just don't trust your kicker anymore. Not their fault, just that I think the winds are going to be high. Um. I'm rooting for Buffalo. Um, my brother-in-law's a Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, so to see Detroit potentially win and Buffalo win on the same day to move on into the conference championships would be a very cool thing for our family personally. But uh, I, I just don't see Kansas. I don't think Kansas City has the team to beat Buffalo this year. I think Buffalo is just no, a better I team. So. I, I think Buffalo has every bit of motivation to take it to them. And I think this is the first year you can say that Buffalo has a better team than Kansas City. Yeah, I agree. So, but we have like so. Here's the thing: is there's going to be out of these four games, there's going to be an upset. Not all favorites are going to win. Uh, you know, this is the round where I feel like there's less upsets. In the wild card round, there's more upsets. In the divisional round, there's. I think statistically, it's. I'm going to throw out a number. It's like thirty-eight to eleven. The Favorite the uh, top seed team, the home team wins. Well, there's there's eleven upsets there. Yeah, it's one in five, basically. Less one in five Almost games. One in four. One in four. So Almost one of these four. games is going to be an upset. If you had to pick, <sighs> you have to pick an upset. Who do you who are you picking? I don't want to pick it. Yeah, because I I I don't want to say it because it's uh... the team I want the least to win. Oh, I don't know. I think I know. Who I'd go for about. any of those upsets. I for the Lions. I hope. I hope. 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 There's an upset on Saturday, so that there's less chance of an upset on Sunday. If that you makes know what sense. the up, the upset would be, the Bills just the Bills lose. That would be the upset. I, I think. I think Mahomes is always the X factor. He's the. You know, you gotta. He's the golden boy of the NFL, rightfully so, and. You can never count him out. Somehow he always finds a way. I agree. I agree with that. I think I do, man. I really do think that one of these games on Saturday is an upset. 
And I don't want it. I would rather Green Bay beat San Francisco. That's what I want. Yeah. That's what I want the upset to be. I want Green Bay to beat San Francisco. That means that potentially if the Lions win, they get another home game to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but that's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. So if I wanted an upset, I think it would be, I 100% would want Green Bay over San Francisco. Man, something about this Houston team tells me they're going to make it close against Baltimore, though. I bet you that game comes down to a field goal. And Justin Tucker wins which, it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, one piece of news, which last week we missed just because we recorded a day before I think it came out, is a coach we haven't talked about is Pete Carroll got let go. Yeah, Pete Carroll got let go. Also, um, the New England Patriots have hired their head coach already. Yeah, I don't know anything about this guy. You know anything about him? Yeah, he, he was used already to play the organization. Jared Mayo used to play for them. He was, he's, I think he's a Hall of Fame linebacker. Um, used to play for Bill Belichick. He became the defensive coordinator um, and defensive assistant a couple years ago. Um, but he signed a contract, I think two years ago, that said he's the succession plan um, if Bill Belichick leaves. So they didn't have to interview anybody else. With the Rooney right. rule in the NFL, you have to interview two minority um, candidates. But... They didn't have to do that because of that line in his clause, which I'm very, it's very weird to me that Las Vegas has to do that. They could like Antonio Pierce is a minority candidate that could get the head coaching job, but they technically still have to interview two minority head candidates. If you're going to hire a minority head candidate, doesn't that make it kind of a weird rule? Well, I think you still got to give their fair you know a fair playing field for all candidates so you still interview like if you're interviewing one you interview anybody that's qualified but i don't know it, none of it makes sense you, you i, I get the why they have the, the rules because they want to take the best guy for the job yeah but you but i get the rules that you have to interview people of color because they don't have the same chances that um other head coaches and other offense coordinators and stuff had in the past um, and even still to the, like the past, even last year, there was arguments about why guys got certain jobs. Um, but if you're hiring a person of color, the Rooney rule to interview people of color to make sure they have a fair shot, kind of a moot point because you're hiring a person of color. I don't know. I don't know anything. But uh, it just it, it was just like, let's hire Antonio Pierce. He's right there. He's on the team. Uh, he's a perfect candidate. Uh, but anyways, Jared Mayo, New England Patriots head coach. So that is one less opening um, and but yeah, Pete Carroll, that was a surprise. That was very uh, much a surprise. It. It just you know what they've they never recovered from that Super Bowl. Things have kind of gone downhill in the dressing room, and I, you know what, I don't. Are you going to find he's a, a better coach? coach he's one of three. He's one of three coaches who has a, a national title and Super Bowl. Yeah. So now they 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 want Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. He didn't do uh, too great this past weekend, so. I like. I don't know if that's an upgrade as head coach. It's just different. No. No, but I think Pete Carroll can do well somewhere else. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. Chargers maybe stay in the division, or sorry, stay in the Western Conference, Western Hemisphere, Western whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. West Coast. West Coast. There we go. Um. All right. I got nothing left for this week. What about you? No, I think that's our show. All right. Uh, are you back in Canada next uh, week for this or no? No. Okay. So the last thing I'll say, do you choose one of the two options? Whatever the Lions' current odds are to make the Super Bowl naturally on their own or 
a guaranteed trip to the Super Bowl, but you got to watch the Super Bowl with me. What do you pick? Uh, uh, the fact tough. that you're taking time to think about it really says a lot about this. Well, I, want, I just don't want them. I feel like. You just don't want to watch it with me. No, no, I, no, no, no. Here's the thing is that if it's a, if you they think make that it they on their can own, get there on their own and then you don't have to watch it with me. Yes. Well, I get no, it. it's because if I watch it with you, if they, if I get a free pass to the Super Bowl, then I watch it with you. That's almost a guarantee they don't win. Why? Because if they make it on their own accord, they have a better chance of winning because I didn't make no, a no. deal. Their odds of winning don't change. But does because you don't understand the superstitiousness that happens here during a Lions game. In my in my own created analogy, where I am the god of the analogy, I do understand the superstition. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. There's certain things that have to happen here in order for the Lions to win. Yeah, and I looked after all of them anyway. I plead. The Sign us off here. Sign us off. All right, everybody. Enjoy <laughs> the games this weekend. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Running Down the Clock is brought to you by the Ordinary Podcast Network and is every Thursday running until the week after the Super Bowl. We hope you enjoyed enough to subscribe and tune in again next week.